Who's going to give a little Easter reflection this morning? I think. We'll see how the, how the Spirit moves. But Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15. If Christ, verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have died in Christ have perished. For if in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most miserable, or most to be pitied, most pitiable. If Christ isn't raised, then those people who have died are dead forever, and our faith is useless and life is pointless. That's my paraphrase of what Paul's talking about there. Um, I had a busy week. I, uh, on Thursday, and I'm sorry for just talking about myself here, but I, I want to share these experiences. On, on Thursday, I, I uh, was up at St. Cloud University, uh, or St. Cloud State, you know, St. Cloud State University. What's the name of that school? I don't know. St. Cloud, the big one up there. And I was debating, uh, there was this public debate, uh, I was debating a professor of philosophy uh, at St. Cloud who is an atheist. Um, and the topic was supposed to be, is there a one true religion? But it turned out to be, does God exist and is Jesus Christ Lord? Uh, which I kind of anticipated. And he was a wonderful man, just a, a wonderful guy. I really liked him. We hit it off well. They were, they were afraid of a lot of hostility because the title of the debate generated a lot of hostility. Uh, it was just politically incorrect. Just to ask the question, is there one true religion, ticked off a lot of people. They had a board uh, where they put this up there, and the board was full of these ca- comments about bigoted Christians who think they're religious. And so they were afraid of, of this thing kind of blowing up, which tells me that they chose the exact right title. Uh, if you get that kind of response, you're doing something right. So there, the, the, the thing started with a lot of hostility in this room. But this man that I debated, uh, David Boyer, was, was uh, such a gracious man. Uh, and, and the demeanor between us was so, so sweet that it just sort of diffused everything. And we had a really good and godly debate. Though I don't think he'd describe it quite like that. Uh, but, but it was... And there's a lot of points that went back and forth. The resurrection did come up. Uh, not so much in the debate, but afterwards we had to do a television interview. And during this tele- television interview, I, I asked him, uh, it was just him and I talking in front of this camera. And I, I just, I said, David, do you mind if I get a little bit personal here? Uh, and he was kind of like, I don't know, you know. You Christians tend to, uh, you know, get personal, and I, I don't, I'm worried about that. And I said, no, I'm not going to, I, I, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but I have a question here. And it really comes out of a, almost a weird sort of admiration I have for you. I don't know how you go on living. Um, why do you, why, my question for you, this is after all the academic stuff is done, after everything is, you know, after all the debate about whether God exists, whether Jesus is Lord, whatever, I, I got this personal question for you. How do you get out of bed in the morning? How do you live a life that has no point to it? How, wh- what makes you go on? I, you know, and I, I almost admire your fortitude because I don't think I could do it. I think I would, I could very well at some point say, you know what, it's not worth it. It's, it's going nowhere. There's no cause. There's no meaning. There's no goal. How do you get out of bed in the morning? What drives you? And, and, and you even have a sort of passion about this. Why? Uh, it all ends up in nothingness in your worldview. There is no resurrection. There's no life after death. When you're dead... In your view, you have said that we are complex chemical soup. That's his description of human beings. And the complex chemical soup, once you die, gets very uncomplex. It gets very simple. And then we just waste away in the grave. 
So what is the point? And he started to say, well, you know, my life's very meaningful. This, this, this debate tonight was very meaningful. It was a great exchange. And I said, what was meaningful about it? He goes, well, I, I was enriched by it, weren't you? And I said, yes, but that's not the meaning of it for me. He goes, well, and, and the kids, we had 600 kids here. And they went away a little better informed about the issues than they would have been otherwise. And maybe, you know, I changed some for my side. Maybe you changed some for your side. But it's just good that we discuss these things. And that's meaning. I said, yes, real good, but, but you know what? You're going to die. And then what meaning will it have? Because, well, the, the lives go on. The, the impact goes on. And I said, yeah, well, they die too. And then what will the meaning be? He says, well, they influence other people. And, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a trickle effect. The, the meaning will be carried out from here. I said, yes, but then you die, I die, they die, their kids die, the whole society dies, the sun blows up, the earth gets sucked up into a supernova, and everything's cold and dead. What's the point of the whole thing? What difference... Will it ever have made that we sat here and talked here tonight? In your worldview, what difference could it make? It's meaningless. And he responded by trying to say, well, the meaning is here. It's just because the, the meaning will end does not mean that it's not meaningful. Life is meaningful. It's just not permanently meaningful. And I quoted to him the, the famous atheist Jean-Paul Sartre, uh, who said, life, says, life is a finite point. It begins and it ends, and therefore, it's essentially meaningless. A finite point without an infinite reference point. If something doesn't last forever, it is meaningless. I said to him, you know, I, I think tonight was meaningful. The reason I think tonight was meaningful is because I believe that something happened tonight among some people that will never, ever end. A change was made in the thinking of some people that will never, ever end. But if I believe that it all ends up as worm food, six feet under the ground then it was meaningless. It's meaningless now, and it will be meaningless later. Now, he held his guard. He, 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 he maintained, he really didn't seem to be bothered by this. But the woman who was doing the camera stuff, I could tell she was getting shaken up by it. And after the, the, the camera was done, she came up to me and started asking questions. She's a student in his class. This man is a very popular professor. He teaches a class called Women, Witchcraft, and Christianity. Yeah. And you don't have to like the class, but it, uh, it's a very popular class. And, and, um, but again, I, there was no sense of hostility on the part of this man. He just really believes that Christianity is oppressive to women and, 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 and whatnot. Uh, but this woman who was, was in his class was kind of a follower of his. And she got the point, I think, better than he did about what I was saying. And she tried to insist that life is meaningful even if, even if it comes to the end. But I could see through the facade. She didn't really believe it. She was trying to insist on it. It's like Shakespeare said, you know, woman, thou protestest too loudly. You know, my life is meaningful. It's meaningful. Even if I die, it's meaningful. And I once again did this, this reiteration saying, well, how's it meaningful? How is it meaningful? Um, and she went on with this thing about how, well, we make an impact on people and they make an impact on people and they make an impact on people. And I began to say, well, you know what? You die and they die and then their kids die. And every, in the end, everybody dies. And when it's all said and done, it will not make a bit of difference whether you were a good person or a bad person, a loving person or a hateful person, whether you love people, whether you murdered people. What difference will it make when the universe is cold and dead and dark and there's no consciousness around, there's no one around to evaluate it? What difference will it have made that we talked here tonight or that anything happened? And she kept on insisting, well, no, but it can be meaningful, right? You know, just repeating what a professor said. And I asked her this question. I said, would you agree with me that all the people in 1917 who died for the Russian Revolution died a meaningless death? Because their cause was wasted. Now, Marxism didn't work. There's no more Marxism in Russia. 
The millions of people who died for Karl Marx to establish this utopian society on this planet were wrong. Therefore, their, their death was meaningless. They died for no purpose. And she agreed, yes. Uh, that, that, that was a sad, tragic, meaningless death. Their cause was meaningless. And I asked her this question then. If that is true, then isn't it the case that in your worldview, every cause is just as meaningless? In the end, we all lose. Every dream you ever fight for comes to an end. Everything you ever hope for comes to nothing. Every, every empire that's ever been built, every idea that's ever been thought, every value that's ever been had, in the end, they have no more value, they have no more victory than did the Russian Revolution in 1917. And that means on your own terms that it is meaningless. And you can see the pain in this woman's eyes. She didn't want to admit that. I said to her this, at the very least, would you agree that it's painful to think about life this way? It's painful. You wish that life went on forever. You wish that something endured forever. You wish that there was a life after death. You wish that there was a meaning. And she had to agree to that. But here's the thing. We only feel pain when something is wrong. It pains you to think that life is meaningless, that death ends all, that you'll never see your loved ones again. That's a painful thought. Now, we know from nature, you just look around, that things are painful when they're out of sync with the way things ought to be. If my arm is paining me, that means something's wrong. Something that ought to be happening is not happening. If I have hunger pains, it's because I'm longing for food. If I have thirst pains, it's because I'm thirsty for water, and there's something i got to do to get it. Where does the pain of meaninglessness come from? Why is it painful? Doesn't it tell you that there's something that is wrong? Doesn't it tell you that there's something missing in your life? Doesn't it tell you that there's something that ought to be there that isn't there? How else could you be in pain right now? The good news of the resurrection is this. God gave us a painful desire for eternal life because God wants to give us eternal life. Amen? Amen. God gave us a painful desire for life to have meaning because life is supposed to have meaning. God gave us a painful desire for love because God wants to fill us with unconditional fathomless love. God gave us a painful desire for joy because God wants to give us, wants to fill us, wants to transform us with his joy, praise God. The pain is, in, is there for a reason. It's pointing you in a certain direction. The reason you have pain when you don't believe in the resurrection is because you're supposed to believe in the resurrection. And when you grab hold of the resurrection, the pain gets diminished because the hunger of the soul is fed, praise God. The, the, the need of the innermost man is finally met. The resurrection means this. It means that death does not win. Praise God. Hallelujah. It means that hopelessness does not win. It means that futility does not win. It means that the maggots don't get the last word. Praise God. And that is good news. It means that separation from loved ones is not permanent. It means that hopelessness is not permanent. It means that evil does not overcome good. It means that Satan does not win. What the resurrection means, praise God, is that Jesus Christ is victorious. Amen? He conquers all. He wins. And all who say yes to him win. In the end, it comes down to this. Is life, does life, is life the saddest story ever told? Or is it the most joyous story ever told? And you know what? It's one or the other. It's one or the other. The resurrection means that it's the latter. It's the most beautiful, loving story ever told if you'll just agree to it and say yes to it. Otherwise, it is the saddest story ever told. 
The question you got to ask here this morning is this. Is your life going to have a happy ending or a sad ending? Is your life going to be meaningful or is it going to be meaningless? And it all hangs upon the resurrection. Now, the pain of life isn't just healed when we're resurrected in, in the end. The belief that Jesus Christ is risen and that he's Lord heals us now. And this is part of what it means, and I just want to talk a little bit about that. How believing that life is meaningful, that there is a resurrection, that it's not all futile, that we said it is, how that even begins to heal us right here and right now. In a lot of ways that we need to be healed right here and right now. I want to do it by just giving a couple of examples, if I may, just a couple of stories about how the resurrection changes people. The first one actually seems kind of trivial, but if it's your father, you wouldn't think it's trivial. I had a conversation with my dad the other night. Um, you got to know this about my father. He was, as I was growing up, not the most pleasant man in the world. I, I wouldn't describe him like that. I, he was um, kind of a curmudgeon. Uh, you know, things agitated him a lot. He wasn't real patient. If something was wrong, it really bothered him, and he let the world know about it. Uh, things, you know, he was just like that. You, you know people like that. Maybe you're one of these kind of people. Things just bother you. And it's like you, know, you, you complain a lot, and you're kind of griping a lot. He became a Christian about eight years ago at the age of 73. Accepted the Lord as his Savior, and seeing him be transformed uh, has been uh, one of the joys of my life. I was talking to him the other night, uh, and he tells me that he's losing his eyesight. He's going blind. He's 81, almost 82 years old now, and he's losing his eyesight. Uh, he's almost totally deaf. Uh, he's had a Bell's palsy, and he has trouble walking. His balance is off. He's had some, uh, a stroke, and so his speech is, is, uh, is impaired. And the old Ed Boyd would have been the most miserable man in the world if this was happening, because the old Ed Boyd, this is it. This is the final thing. After this, there's death. And right now, that's looking pretty pleasant. And that's that's the best case scenario, is that this will come to an end. The old Ed Boyd would have been a miserable, miserable man. But as I'm talking to this Ed Boyd, the new Ed Boyd, he says this. He goes, you know what? It's not so bad, really. Because I know that in a very short while, I'm going to be able to see just fine. And I'm going to be able to hear perfectly. And my balance will be no problem whatsoever. That's the healing of the resurrection. That's the healing of the resurrection. Thank you, Lord. Either life just peters out to a sad and miserable and pointless end, or we're just getting warmed up. You see, praise God. The resurrection gives you the perspective that we're just getting warmed up. Another story. I shared this uh, oh, four or five years ago, I think, three or four years ago. Um, but it was right around Easter time where I got a letter in the mail from a young lady who was in prison. And um, she was in prison because she had killed her child. I don't know the details of it. Somehow she had murdered her child, and she was serving 25 years uh, for involuntary manslaughter of her child, and it was related to some drug habit that she had. I don't know. I don't, I don't know all this. But she wrote, when she was in prison, someone gave her a copy of letters from a skeptic, and she ended up accepting Christ as her Savior. And so she just wanted to write me this letter to thank me, thank me and my father. And the letter at one point said this. She goes, you know, in, in many ways, my life, I was a very ambitious person. I wanted to become a nurse and all this sort of stuff, and it's pretty much come to an end right now. I, you know, my life is, life I used to have has come to an end. I'm sitting here serving time for the murder of my own child. 
Because but in another way, I right now feel like my life has only begun. And just when I lost my freedom out in the outside world, I feel like I've gained freedom in the inner, in the inner self. Because I now know that this life isn't all there is. And she said, I know that when this life is over, I'll see my baby again. And my baby will forgive me. See, that's freedom. That's freedom. The question that hangs on the point of the resurrection is this. Uh, is her evil deed permanent? Unforgivable? Irrevocable? Irreversible? Or is there healing even after murder? Even after murdering your own child? Can God tie up the loose ends? And the point of the resurrection, the story of the resurrection, the gospel of the resurrection is this. There is no wrong that shall not be right, righted to those who say yes to Jesus Christ. Praise God. There is no pain that will not be healed. There is no evil that will not be overcome because Jesus Christ has risen. You hang on to his resurrection life and resurrection power. And I don't know the details how he's going to do it in all of our lives, but I know this. There is healing. Praise God. There is forgiveness. So this woman discovers life right when it looks like this life has come, into, come to an end. Final story I just want to leave with you is this. This is one of the most God things I've ever had happen to me. And I may have shared this five or six years ago. I, I don't remember. But a number of years ago, I was, um, I, I was a substitute pastor at a church for a little bit before Woodland Hills started. And there was a couple that came to me. Um, it's actually a husband who was saying, you've got to help my marriage. My marriage is almost ready to fall apart. And I said, well, I'm not much of a counselor, really. I, I'm not. Because, well... Uh, you know, my wife likes you and she'll talk to you and she, she, we've tried other counselors and nothing has worked. And maybe it'll work with you, but we're right at the very, very edge. Uh, and so I said, okay, let, let's do it. To be totally unrelated to what the problem in the marriage really was. He thought that she was just not liking him and not accepting him and being nitpicky and all this other kind of stuff. But I said, okay, let's set up a time where we can meet. And the only time I could do it was after a Sunday morning service. So I said, after the Sunday morning service, we'll, we'll talk for an hour or so. And I'll do what I can, you know. I, I'll, I'm not much of a counselor, uh, but I'll do what I can. I had a retreat to do that weekend, and, and um, uh, I, it, would, it was a men's retreat or a youth retreat or something, I don't know. But on the way up there, I was riding with somebody who had a tape. Um, or Yeah, it was a tape that they, they, they ended up leaving in my car. They, they forgot it there. And, and I had to drive home on Saturday night to be in, in service on Sunday morning. Okay, you follow me on this? So on Sunday morning at a church service, about 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm driving home Saturday night, it's now Sunday morning, to get home in time to do this church service. This is my life. This is why I get exhausted. Um, but I'm just praising the Lord, and, I, and I, I find this tape that this person left. And the funny thing is, I didn't want to be riding up there with this person, and it was bugging me, and, and this person kind of, you know, forced their way into the car, and it was like, you know, I didn't like it. I like to be alone when I'm driving long distance, and, and so it was bugging me. But here, there's this tape, and so I'm tired of listening. I can't get any stations, and I'm tired of my old tapes, so I put this tape in. There's a tape by Michael W. Smith. And on this tape, there was a song named I Hear Leisha. Um, I listened to this song, and I started bawling, and I don't know why. I don't know why. Uh, I think maybe I have a daughter named Alicia, and I could empathize with this song. The song was written by Michael W. Smith for a friend who had a daughter named Alicia, who died at a young age. And it was about the pain of getting over that, uh, that loss. And the refrain of the whole thing was, was about how this, the healing comes when they can, you can hear Leisha playing in heaven. When you know that, that life didn't end for Leisha. And the song just goes over and over with this refrain, I hear Leisha singing in, in heaven tonight. 
And in between the darkness, I hear Leisha telling me that everything's all right. And I'm riding home and I'm bawling. I listen to the song at least five or six times. All the way home, I'm just listening to this song and just praising God and being ministered to by this. I go to church, I preach the sermon, and then I meet with this couple. And as I'm meeting with this couple, in a miraculous way, I can't describe you because I'm not a good counselor. Uh, I don't think I'm a good counselor, but we zeroed in on the problem. It turns out that the problem started nine years before this. And the problems revolved around a little daughter that they had, and her name was Leisha. And Leisha died nine years ago. And his mother was angry at God, angry at the husband, because the husband was there when the daughter died, and she wasn't. She never got a chance to say bye. And so I'm just hearing this. And that's when all the problems of the marriage started. And I just said, stop here. Um, I have a gift. I want a gift to you. I don't want to say another word because you can't believe how God has set you up for a healing right now. I want you to go out to the parking lot with me to my car. We went out. (laughs) I'm not a very good counselor, but Jesus really is. (laughs) He knows how to do it. Praise God. And I, I, it was cued right up to it. I listened to it all the way home, and I was cued. Uh, and I just opened the doors of this car, and we sat out there in the parking lot and held hands, and I turned on this song. I hear Alicia singing in heaven tonight. And as, as we're, I, we're just holding hands, I don't know what God's going to do, but two things happened. One is that as we were praying, God took her pain and gave it to me. And I was destroyed. God, God, let me feel what she was about. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but it's, it's, to, I, I, was, I was a mother who lost this child nine years ago when I could feel the bitterness and the anger, which taught me, which gave me exactly what to pray for. I know exactly what to pray for because I was in it. And we're holding hands, listening to this song in this parking lot with a husband. And then there came a point at the end where this person is singing, I hear Alicia singing in heaven tonight, where this woman begins to cry and laugh at the same time. And she starts saying, I can hear her. I can hear her. I can hear her. She's okay. And then I just took her hands and I just opened them up and I said, let her go. It's time to let her go into the loving arms of Jesus Christ. Just relinquish her. Just let her go. See, she was hanging on to a corpse for nine years. And corpses aren't meant to be hung on to. And it causes disease and sickness in your inner spirit. But when she could see and she could hear, this is what the resurrection is all about, you guys. Her little daughter in the loving arms of Jesus Christ, playing in the playground of the kingdom of heaven. Now she could say goodbye. Life wasn't meant to come to a sad end. Goodbyes weren't meant to be forever. God doesn't set up life like that. God sets it up for an eternal dance that we're going to have together. What I want to do here is just, I don't know what the resurrection means to you in terms of healing, but it means something to every one of us in terms of healing. I'm going to play this song. And I want to just have the Holy Spirit minister to us, okay? Some of, some of you have loved ones that are gone on, and it's time to just remind yourself, there's a resurrection, let them go. Let God, let God give you the hearing and the seeing that you need to hear and see for the healing to occur. For others of you, you maybe have never really believed in the resurrection, not really. I want this song to minister to you and for you to come to a faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. 
that the resurrection is real. I don't know how it's going to land, but I just am going to trust God like I did that morning for him to do what he wants to here in this place as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mark, could you put that on?
close our eyes and bow our heads. I'm just going to, I want to pray, and I want us to pray for one another. But could I ask this question? I, I hear this morning, and you're not sure that that resurrection applies to you. You're not sure that your life's going to have a happy ending because you, you have never really made a real commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going to call you out and, or do anything like that, but I'd like you to raise your hand so I could pray for you. You're here this morning, and you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ. And you're not sure. You want to be sure that your life's going to have a happy ending, an eternal happy ending. Would you raise your hand here? I could pray for you. Thank you. Anyone else? Good. You can put them down. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else who wants to be sure? This is a time. It's a simple little prayer one legion. Okay, good. That's good. Over there. Okay. Anyone else? Okay, good, I see that. Praise, praise you, Lord. Okay, good, back there I see it. Good. This is the time to make it solid, to make it, to make it real. Praise God. Could we all pray this prayer? Believers, you pray this, and, and those who... Okay, I see you. Yeah, that's good. Um, and let's all pray this prayer. And those of you who raise this hand, I'm really praying it for you. Uh... Repeat after me, okay? Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner and that I need you. I believe that you died for my sins. And I believe that you rose again from the dead. And I believe that you make it possible for me to live forever with you. I surrender my life to you. I give you my all. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and transform me and make me new. Thank you, Lord, for saving me, for forgiving me, for loving me. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Maybe there's others here that you need, you need some healing here. And I, I just want to pray for you for a moment here, okay? In fact, can we grab hands uh, here this morning just for a moment? And I, I want you to pray for the person next to you. You may be the one who needs healing, but you're going to have a person praying for you, two people praying for you. Uh, and it actually is more healing for you to pray for someone else's healing than for your own. God just sets things up like that. That's agape love. So as I pray, let's pray for one another. For, for healing, uh, and uh, that the resurrection power of Jesus Christ would, would be present here. Lord, I pray that, that God, in every person in this room, every hand that's being held right now, and even those who, who for various reasons, uh, don't have a hand to hold, Lord, I pray, God, that if there is pain there that death has caused, hallelujah, Lord, that your resurrection power would heal that pain. Lord, for those who are maybe hanging on to loved ones like this, this mother was, I pray, Lord God, you'd help them to relinquish it, to release them, Lord. God, help them to see that you are a good God, a just God, a loving God, a safe God. And, and Lord God, to let go, to let go of relationships that are done on this side and put them and trust them into your loving care, Lord. I pray, Lord God, for those who fear death, Lord, that your resurrection power would heal them from that fear. 
I pray, Lord God, for those that are wounded because of, of past sin in their life and mistakes that they've made in their lives or, or wounds that have happened to them. I pray, Lord, that your resurrection power would bring new life into them, Lord. And it would wash over the scars, Lord God. Heal the scars. Renew the spirit, Lord God. Embrace them in your love. Let your resurrection love be with them right now. Lord, we pray for the person on our right, and we pray for the person on our left, that they could know you with your perfect love and be healed by your perfect love. And Father, we pray for those dozen or so who, who this morning wanted to make that commitment to you. I pray, Lord God, that you would protect them from the enemy who will certainly try to take their commitment away. Lord God, and I pray, Lord, that you would, uh, Lord, solidify them. And, uh, Lord God, bring them into the church, into a church, and get them committed to other Christians, Lord, and, and help them to begin to grow in the Christian life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.